listening to Down by the Bank, a Jacksonville Jaguars podcast with Corey, Derek, and JK3. All right, welcome to Down by the Bank, sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. This is Corey. Guys, what's up? It's Derek. What's up, guys? It's JK3. All right, so we are recording, thankfully, shortly after the big news about the Jaguars hiring a new offensive coordinator. So we're going to get into that for sure. Uh, talk a little bit about his background, he, how he may fit in with the team. And, you know, was that the target all along or are they just saying it is? And so we'll, we'll chat about that a little bit. But first, we did want to talk a little bit about the professional wrestling league that uh, Shad Khan, yeah, I guess, the yeah, as the lead investor for, and Tony Khan's like the GM or something. I don't know. He's like involved in like three different things now. That doesn't seem very efficient, but um, all elite wrestling. Did you guys go to the uh, big pep rally at the stadium? No, I didn't go, but I know who wasn't there either. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> Mr. Coughlin. Everybody else was there except for Mr. I mean, Coughlin. Is that a thing though? Like, does that matter? You know what I mean? Like, what what's the conspiracy as to why Tom Coughlin wasn't there? I just think it's weird that everybody else was there except him. <laughs> it was it was very strange. Um, it, they made it like I, I saw it on Twitter, and it's like the stage was made up out of uh, like one of those tents that you get from uh, like in a backyard party, and it was just like a bunch <laughs> of just random like put together staged, and and the pyro was just like right in front of the wrestlers, like right in front of the talent. So if like a smooth wind would have blown like one way. It probably would have blew up a lot of things, but man, it was just, it, it's just weird to see. And then also the whole Chris Jericho, like, did you see the Chris Jericho signing the contract yeah, with Tony Khan? I saw that. And Tony Khan's like, yeah, I'm yep. It's, it's for real. And it's just like, okay, Tony, you, you need to sell it a little bit more, like hit him over the back of the head with a chair or something and, and then make yeah. him sign the contract. I remember Chris Jericho. I don't know if you guys were big wrestling fans back in the day, but I definitely was, and, and he was pretty cool. So um, I, I don't know. It seems kind of neat. I mean, uh, it's another reference to Jacksonville that's a positive for us, I guess. I don't know if I'm going to watch it, but I might check it out in the beginning just to see what it's all about. There's going to be a lot of buzz around it. You know, they always what what are, what are the cons known for? What are they truly known for besides bumpers? I was going to say bumpers. <laughs> spending, spending, they're, spending they're lots of known, money. The kissman. They're known for. <laughs> <laughs> they're known for putting on a good show. Okay, they're the, got to be the only owner family in, in history to be able to sell a decent amount of tickets without a winning product. <laughs> Great! Is this a circus? <laughs> yeah. Is so, this their is this their business strategy for the wrestling league? Because I don't think that's a good one. You know, I, I don't know, but that's that's what they're known for. You know, that's what they're able to do. It's it's amazing. Even if you look at this season, as bad as it's been, and you know, the only thing that I think would really put a dent in ticket sales is if they trot Bortles out there, which we're going to get into here in a second. But they're probably going to have a decent turnout for opening day game. You know, I mean, every every team does. But do we you know, really, really believe that the Khan family is, you know, they're, are they football owners or are they football owners or are they bumper you know, owners or are they wrestling? You know, they're just 
They're just a family with a lot of money that's going to put it in anything they think can make them more money. Right. So All I know is I want them to take the approach to wrestling how it was back when we watched it, or at least I watched it. One of my favorite moments was, did you ever see when Booker T and Stone Cold Steve Austin fought in the grocery store? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, need to, we need to recreate moments like that at like a local Publix or something and like make it a big event. Like that's, I would be about that. You know what I mean? And while you bring up Bortles, like don't even like, you know, we don't need the distraction of him being on the team uh, this year, but we still have to pay him. So maybe we convert him into a professional wrestler. I mean, that might be an idea, right? I think it's not bad. He could wrestle down at Ritz. On his way to the ring, uh, yeah. six five, two hundred and forty pounds, hailing from Orlando, the, the boat. boat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is actually like a really good idea. Should we like cut this off and send this to the marketing, de- you know, department over there? I mean, um, but yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I don't think there's any <laughs> big conspiracy as to why Coughlin wasn't there. It doesn't seem like quite his thing, to be honest with you, but. Um, I don't know. It's kind of cool. I mean, whatever. It's not a big deal. But um, so obviously the big news of the day is and you guys are gonna have to catch me up on the speed, uh, catch me up to speed on his background and, and you know why or why not. It's a good or a bad hire. I know a lot of the Jags blogs and Twitter folks out there have been running down like every single candidate possible profiling them throughout the week. Um, but this is a guy that popped up every now and then. And, and it seemed like most of the feedback people had as far as him being hired, was positive. So that's good. Uh, John, and I really hope I'm pronouncing this right, John D. Filippo. Um, and I guess, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but he was the offensive coordinator of Minnesota. And JK3, I think you said he got fired recently. So that's kind of concerning, right? Yeah, yeah. So he, um, yeah, he was the OC um, at the, with, with Minnesota. Uh, prior to, he was also the quarterback's coach uh, with the Eagles, which I'm pretty sure we'll make that connection and get into a little bit later. But honestly, man, you know, some of the things that he was doing in Minnesota, um, I thought was awesome. I, I mean, definitely if you ha- if you were a fantasy football fan and if even, you don't even have to be that, you know, technically into football to know that Adam Thielen, Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, the uh, Stefan Diggs, uh, you know, these guys were really big fantasy players just because of their targets and just because of the uh, you know the stuff that Kirk Cousins was doing. I think there's a little bit more conspiracy going on in uh, Minnesota as to why he was uh, let go, maybe changing the plays. But the gist of it was that he didn't run the ball or didn't utilize uh, Dalvin Cook enough. Whatever that reason, it, it, you know, it is for the reason why he was fired, we'll probably never know. But from what they did as a statistical standpoint, um, Adam Thielen, um, I think he either broke the record or set the or tied the record with Megatron for the most like 100 yard passing or 100 yard receiving games. So really, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, I mean that's guy, and, and part of that's on Thielen, right? Being just a, an, an absolute baller at the wide receiver position. Um, part of it's on Kirk Cousins as well, being uh, you know a serviceable quarterback, being able to get the ball in places, and you know most of it is. Uh, you know, Filippo, De Filippo, getting uh, players in space, getting uh, keeping defenses guessing. So uh, I'm pretty excited about it, man. I think it'll be a high flying offense. I hope, but he's got to have the pieces to make things happen, and, and and that's what I'm a little bit more concerned about. Yeah, the biggest thing is making sure you have the players in play, place to make plays. Yeah, there was something going on up in, in Minnesota. I, personally, I think it's because Cousins. You know, looks like to me he's a jerk. 
probably changing a lot of the plays, you know, who knows, but definitely there wasn't some, there was some chemistry issue going there, whether if he wasn't running the ball enough or DeFilippo wasn't calling enough running plays. The Vikings played better when they ran the ball, as do most NFL teams. So it's really, it's awesome. Uh, the offense is going to be a bit more wide open, but at the same time, they're also going to focus on running the ball. That's the, that's the core of the team. That's the way the team is built. So if you look at, you know, Fournette, if he stays, that's something they're going to want to give him the ball 20 times a game. Um, it, it's it's definitely a toss-up. Uh, I, I don't think that his his style is really what we were looking for, but I think as long as the running game is there, I'd say that it would, it would, you know, it would work. Uh, now it's just a matter of making the players believe that it'll work. Every coach is a head coach or offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator in the NFL for a reason. Some are good, some are bad, but it just depends on the system you have around me. And he, he won a Super Bowl with the Eagles, and he's supposed to have a quarterback that, you know, can chunk it down the field in Minnesota, but it didn't work out. Minnesota went with their three-year, $80 million quarterback over their experienced offensive coordinator. Right. Yeah, I kind of pulled up an article while we were talking about it that mentioned that part of the problem was, or I guess the reason he got fired is they were averaging uh, way less points than they anticipated averaging. Uh, but mostly it says that the problem stemmed from uh, a subpar offensive line. And I think JK3, you alluded to a lack of a running game, whether that be talent wise or he just didn't run. But um, it is kind of interesting that he would be our hire considering what you just said in that Coughlin and Marone and everybody has said that the team is built on being a running team. So, I mean, I want to be excited about it, but it seems like kind of a weird hire since that was the reason he kind of got fired, right? I mean, does that make sense? The thing about it is, too, is that it. let's just put it all out what it is. So the strength of the team is all your defense, and we really want someone that's going to be able to come in and be able to get us up 14 points, 14 nothing. Let our defense pin the ears back and run and make make you make all these different you know mistakes where we can continue to pick off and continue to you know uh, eat off your mistakes. And then that's it. If this team can get someone in that could that if we can grind the ball, run it, you know, and get up two scores and then let her and sit back and play defense. That's what the team's built to do. They're not built to come back from behind of, of any type of adversity. Every game I watched this year, and, and I was sitting here watching the game with my wife, the Jaguars are down maybe 3 nothing, 7 nothing, anything. She's like, they're going to lose. And they lost every game they, they were down. They, they never won a game where they came back from behind to win. They never did. Yeah. And, and so this team – and this is – we're talking about three points, seven points. You've got the elite teams right now that are coming back down 14 points in a playoff game. Uh, I mean, look at look what Drew Brees did. They got smacked in the mouth by the Eagles on the first quarter, and he came out, continued to throw the ball. Look at Tom Brady. How Like he was down – what was the, the – the, he was down like three scores in the Super Bowl, came back and went. So the, I am comparing – you know, our recent quarterback play to two of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game, but the offense isn't engineered, you know, to come back. The strength of the team is on the defense. So how do you sell that to an offensive coordinator who doesn't know who his quarterback's going to be? He has, you know, average Joes at receiver, 
right now. You know, D.D. Westbrook is your number one is the by stats your number one receiver. We, uh, your your second round draft pick is a gunner basically on special teams, and you have a running back that you got to come in and and have a talk, uh, you know, a come to Jesus meeting with uh, in the offseason to make sure that he still wants to be here. So it's not an an an, an easy sell. I mean, what do you tell him? Hey, we've got Daly's place. In a wrestling league, sign me up. <laughs> yeah. Sign me up, man. Here we go. <laughs> hey, Mr. Filippo, we want you to meet Chris Jericho right yeah. now. Um, come, 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 yeah, no. come, come in the pools and also grab a teal hot dog bun while you're at it. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I still think that those things look disgusting. But anyway, um, so his ties to Philadelphia, Derek, and maybe you can elaborate on this some. You know, obviously, Philadelphia has uh, two good quarterbacks. I mean, at least that's the perception. Foles is pretty good, obviously. Um, the idea in coming here, hopefully, I mean, who knows what was set behind closed doors, but I'm assuming Bortles is not back and that we'll draft a guy or maybe get one of the veterans, but perhaps draft somebody to develop. Um, is he good for that role? In other words, if we draft a quarterback, is this probably the guy we want with his prior experience? It's the best available. It's the best available from a free agent standpoint. When you look at the quarterbacks that are, you know, coming out, you know, there's definitely some talent out there, but do you really want to throw them into the fire with a team that has no offensive line? We've already had two quarterbacks that have had deer in the headlights and we don't need a third. Okay. So you get an experienced quarterback that knows the system that can play a couple years. I mean, look at it this way. Uh, What's his face in Kansas City? Mahomes. He's set for a year. You know, that's well, you know, if he's got to sit, he's got to sit. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But when you look at the whole the whole grand scheme of things, at this point we need to stop. Okay, let's, you know, we got our quarterback now and our quarterback for the future. We just need to get guys in. And whoever wins the competition wins the competition. Forget just Let's, you know, make, pick him up. We'll play him for two or three years and da-da-da. And then he'll come along, this rookie, and then he'll start, you know, after two or three years, maybe next year. No, 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 no. We just need to get bodies in there that want to play the position. That's it. We've talked about it all season. JK3 must have said it 30 times during the season. Creating competition or iron sharpens iron or whatever that, you know, people want to call it. Get people in there that want to play. If Foles ends up being the guy, then he's the guy. Rookie has to sit. If the rookie ends up beating out Foles, then they're the guy. Or if somebody else they get, you know, off the street ends up being the guy, oh, well. Kurt Warner was bagging groceries. I know that's a one-in-a-lifetime kind of opportunity there. <laughs> yes, Kurt it Warner is. was bagging groceries, okay? <laughs> Point is, just find people that want to play the position and let them duke it out. They aren't afraid. It's just, you know, it's going to work out with Nick Foles in the beginning because he's familiar with the system. If he comes. If he comes. Yeah, if he if he's there. But you, you just you never know what's going to happen in, in the National Football League. You just you don't know. Right. Well, I hope scouting the local Winn-Dixie was not part of his pitch as far as uh, trying to get the, the job. But uh, Nick Foles is that is I mean, from that perspective, I know a lot of fans. I mean, every poll that you see that you know, majority of people want us to pick up Nick Foles uh, even more than the draftees. I think I heard this morning on 1010XL. Does that increase or let me say this. 
one, does it increase our chances of landing Nick Foles? Two, was it a higher intended on targeting Nick Foles? What do you think, JK3? Um, I don't know. I, I think it is the latter of – I think maybe it was one of those if we get um, Filippo, then maybe we've got a, an increased shot at getting uh, Nick Foles. Maybe it was something that they talked about. Maybe it was something that Filippo, you know, came out and said, hey, you know, I'm probably going to be your best chance to be able to get Foles if I grab Foles, you know, and, you know, another receiver here and there. We could probably make this thing happen. Um, there, there is, there's gotta be an obvious connection there, you know? And I don't know if it's just because we are fans, we want it to happen. We're kind of looking at it more, but there is an obvious connection. And I I think that he can do it with any, any, any veteran quarterback. I think we need a veteran quarterback right now to, to come in and really be able to, uh, create good leadership, create good chemistry on the offense. Cause there's so many other things that are wrong with our offensive or with our team locker room in general, just besides the quarterback position, there's a lack of leadership. There's a lack of, uh, of players that have seen, you know, the, the grand scale of things, you know, Malik Jackson, he played at a Super Bowl, so he can come around and show, Hey, you want a ring? Like, this is what you, this is the type of professional you have to be. We've got Calais Campbell, who is a great leader on the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, but on the offensive side of things, we don't really have, uh, you know, any, 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 any real leadership, uh, you know, a, among the skill p- uh, positions and the skill players. In my opinion, I thought we needed to keep a uh, Allen Robinson, you know, because of that, because of someone that's here to continue to build a culture uh, needed to keep uh, maybe Hearns because of, you know, what he can bring to the team, Mercedes Lewis, what he can bring to the team as far as leadership goes. So before we even, uh, you know, I, I think, and I got off on a little bit of a tangent there, but you know, the, the Foles, if he does come, it's great. If it's, if it's Joe uh, Flacco, Flacco, uh, you know, that would be great also, but they need some type of veteran presence, um, you know, dishing out the ball for sure. Mm-hmm. And then from there, you know, if you draft someone that that's serviceable, um, you know, I think that's awesome, but it, it's got to be somebody that we, we can't miss on because missing in the draft and missing on personnel and missing on in free agency has been setting this team back for years. And other teams don't seem to miss in those areas like we do. Mm-hmm. And Derek, and what not, do you think? Go ahead. And not just miss. I'm talking like monumental whiffs. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right. I mean, you can't whiff on you can't whiff on free agency. I mean, Calais Campbell was probably the the the, the greatest free agent pickup, uh, you know, in in franchise history. I mean, double digit sack guy, uh, you know, towards the quote unquote latter end of his career, and still continues to be a leader on the team, um, as opposed to us signing Austin Safarian Jenkins, who where was he at the entire year? Hurt. You know what I mean? You, you get you, you get him. You you get Moncrief, who you know may be a miss in depending on who you talk to uh, around town. He he, I think he's a uh, you know, a, a miss in free agency. But you know you can't just dish out you know money to these players and and, and expect to get something in return and absolutely just miss on a softball. Man, it's just unbelievable. Yeah. Well, I mean, so coming into the the new role from a weapons perspective, Derek, on the offense, 
What do you think his first challenge is going to be? I mean, what is he looking to upgrade? You know, when he gets in the air of Coughlin and Caldwell, uh, we already know quarterback is obviously something we're looking at, but um, are there any other spots on the offense, including Leonard Fournette, I guess? I mean, it seems like he's pretty much going to be the, the starting running back next year based on all the conversations we hear. Maybe this is just helping his stock in case they still want to trade him. I don't know. But um, what is he looking at as the new offensive coordinator right now as the first, you know, kind of area to improve or um, make some changes at? Um, You can't throw and you can't run unless you can block. That's where we'll start. You got Cam Robinson, Norwell, Linder, Didi Westbrook. Everything else is up for grabs. So that's four out of 11. So that's seven guys. Two tight end, wide receiver, you know, whether if it's 12 or 21 personnel, which is people, one running back, two tight ends, or vice versa, doesn't matter. Okay. That's that's who we know is going to be involved next year. Everybody else is up for grabs. And I think that's where they got to start. You can't block. If you can't block, you can't block. Blocking is like breathing. We're people. We need air. No air, no movement, no life. Jags can't block at all. Okay. I don't give a Even two years ago when they went to the AFC championship game, Luther Fournette ran the ball, yeah, for 3.8 yards a carry. He still still can't block. Okay. It's got to be over four in my book. 4.2 technically if you really want to get technical people. That's... You got you got to be able to block. So I think that's where he starts. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna con. You know I think I'm gonna disagree with you there as far as blocking. It's important. Um, you know, and the offensive line was injury riddled as much as it was. But the if I'm if I'm can we come up with a name from him like JD maybe like (laughs) D. Filippo. If if I'm if I'm JD. I'm sitting Keenan McCardell down my first day and saying, I understand that you had to do what you have to do as far as personnel goes, but the drops have got to stop. The drops are, come on. I mean, it's unbelievable. And then I'm going and getting, uh, you know, a proven receiver in free agency. Uh, I'm taking, I'm taking DJ Chark off special teams and using him for what what we drafted him for as a uh, you know as a receiver and I'm putting one of the other guys on, on you know on, on special teams somebody else is closer down the depth chart or, or further down the depth chart on, on special teams to be a gunner putting one of my second no one of my third four string safeties uh that's just as fast as he is on on as a gunner on punt return and and for people that are not that don't know what a gunner is basically the first person that's going down the field to to try to you know stop the the punt return. That's what DJ Chark was. DJ Chark had more tackles than he had receptions because he was a gunner. Um, so I'm putting him in the rotation and making him try to earn his spot as far as the receiving and trying to get the receiving talent up. Okay. I like it. Well, and that's the big thing. I mean, Derek, you say we need seven positions to fill on offense or replace or upgrade or whatever word you want to use. I mean, how depressing does that sound after this many years under the same front office that we <laughs> are that far away from 
from having a complete offense, at least in your opinion, right? Uh, but that's just a, a distressing thing to, to kind of hear out loud, I guess. Yeah, it is depressing. And that's why I, I – and J.D. <laughs> – J.D. Um, he, he, he's done some great things in his coaching career. But I, I still say that – and will continue to say, I think I said it before we started recording, he wasn't Marone's first choice. Okay. Definitely wasn't Marone's first choice. I really think Kubiak was their first choice. Now, why didn't Kubiak come here? Why didn't other candidates, you know, even show interest? Why did, you know, why did it take so long to find an offensive coordinator? Why didn't Nathaniel Hackett get hired to, to Green Bay at the same position? Now he works with a quarterback that's 10 times better than the one we have, you know, and, and you know, have had in years. Um, who knows? Maybe there's something that we know that, that they know that we don't know. Obviously, you know, there could be, but the point is his philosophy is definitely very, you know, West coast offense, kind of a hybrid with all the motion and things that they do trying to dictate matchups and so forth. Uh, that's going to be a hard fit when you don't have the personnel. Yeah, we thought we had the personnel, but like JK3 alluded to, when you have double-digit drops, that's not a good look, you know. So it doesn't matter how much, you know, offensive, you know, plays, scheme, uh, you know, you come up with. Mm-hmm. If you don't have guys that can, in my opinion, block and then two catch the ball, what's the point? We're going to give it to Leonard Fournette for 3.5 yards of carry again? If he's here. Mm-hmm. Well, a ball-headed, bearded Toby Gerhardt. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on. Uh, come nothing on. funnier than repeat jokes. <laughs> but, but we've been saying but, – but on the real with Leonard Fournette, man, I know we're going to talk about him next. We've been saying it from day one. He needed a yoga instructor. He needed to get in shape, a personal trainer, something. All three of us have been saying it. Yeah. So it's not well, to sit here and people like, oh, it's such a shock. No, we, we've known. You could tell. He, he doesn't do anything in the offseason. But rep his clothing line, Boganation, instead of taking his craft and honing his skills because he doesn't care. That's why this whole meeting thing, like, oh, we got everything straight now. It's like one meeting. One meeting and we got everything figured out. Okay, yeah, I'll believe it when I see it. Well, since we're talking about conspiracy theories, my conspiracy theory is, and man, I will feel so smart if I'm right, but I just feel like they're trying to increase his stock and make him seem, you know, back to the old Leonard Burnett, not controversial. He's on board with the team and all that sort of stuff just to, to be able to trade him. And then this is all fake. Like, what do you think about that? Is that crazy or is that possible? Or, or what? what's your opinion on that? Um, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's a very real possibility that he, he can be traded. Now, are we going to pull the wool over somebody's eyes and actually get them to give us like a third or a fourth round pick for him? No. <laughs> but I mean, it depends on the salesmanship. I mean, if they really, you know, kind of, I mean, I don't know what they could do, I guess, but um, every news release I saw kind of made it seem like, oh, everything's you know 
honky dory and they're all in love now and this season's going to be wonderful you know what i mean it was like not a big deal at all and i didn't did anything come out about his um additional pay that they had what was it like incentives or something that they had taken back from him did he get that back or what what happened with that i mean is he just okay with that i think that's still in lingo right now i think the players association got involved there's a lot of you know different things that you know moving parts to that so that's going to take time it's going to take some real time for them to work out and figure out. Yeah, I don't know. It just seems unreal. Like to go from Coughlin putting out a, a specific press statement out there criticizing him to not even that long of time going by before we're good and we're looking forward to the season. I think Marone even said in his press conference today um, that, you know, we're essentially on the same page. I mean, he didn't use those words, I'm sure. But um, I don't know. That's just that's just something I'm kind of kind of thinking about. But um, JK3, what's your opinion? I mean, is it salvageable at this point? Do you think Coffin's already out on the guy? I mean, it just seems somewhat unbelievable that uh, that with the issues, the type of issues he had last year with Coughlin being the head guy, that there's any way that everything's okay already. It just doesn't make sense. Well, I mean, there's got to be a reason why they brought in Thomas Rawls, um, you know, along with, um, with, with Carlos Hyde. Now, if they keep both of them, then, it, you know, it makes the situation even more uh, interesting, especially with Corey Grant coming back from an injury, depending on what his injury is like. But I, I, I don't see it being I, – I really do see it kind of being that last, you know, kind of last-ditch coaching effort for for Fournette. Like, I really do. I'm really seeing it's something like, hey, we drafted you here to play football. Um, you're now coming into your third season. This is about the time where we need to know what we're going to get out of you. Either we're going to go ahead and, you know uh, – continue to, to keep you here on this team or, you know, try to find other options to replace you. Now, the funny part about it is, is that, you know, with the, the NFL, the running back position goes up and down. It's valued. Sometimes it's not. Right now, you know, you there, there are some guys that are running the football in the NFL that people have never heard of and you wouldn't be able to pick up outside of a lineup. You know, case in point, um, Chris Carson, I think his name is, the guy in um, Seattle, that was doing good. And then look, look what the Rams just did. The Rams just went and got a guy off the street and had a hundred yard rushing yard or a hundred yard, uh, you know, game in the, in, in a playoff. But, but he's, he's proven though, you know, CJ Anderson, you know, he, he's a proven back. But he hasn't played. What surprises me is he hasn't played in like in, in weeks. He hasn't played in weeks. He should be out of shape. Not our, not our running back. That's currently on the roster week 15. I'm out of shape. I give you that. I give you that. The one that shocks me is the the kid for uh, Kansas City. Yeah, you know their top two running backs have come in, have gotten hurt or kicked off the team, almost out of the league for Kareem Hunt. I mean, and it's Damian is it Williams or whatever. Yeah. He, he's come off the out of nowhere. You know, um, he was probably the checkout boy for Kurt right. Warner at uh, at the grocery <laughs> store. I mean, look, <laughs> and look at, I nowhere. mean, the most obvious situation of all is James Conner in uh, in Pittsburgh. Le'Veon's going to sit out yeah. and just make a gamble, and this kid is just a baller, you know. From I mean, so and that kid, and he beat cancer too. That, that, that's the crazy part about him. <laughs> James Conner. I don't know if y'all ever looked that up, but uh, the, the, the Pittsburgh running back James Conner. This kid beat cancer in college, and he literally is now gone from being a decent running back in college, fighting for his life, being a Pro Bowl running back in like a four five year period. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely amazing. 
I always love the phrase got him off the street because it's just like, you know what I mean? Like if that was an actual thing, like there's a homeless person or something, you're like, hey, can you play football? I just always thought that was funny because, I mean, a lot of these guys have like legit backgrounds. I mean, uh, but the Connor thing, I think that was just <laughs> bad luck for Le'Veon Bell. You know what I mean? It had to be. Like what a just crappy gamble. Now, before work. we forget, um, you know, the, the, the newest addition to the quarterback room could have been uh, what – what made JD sign? You know that that uh, Magoo is it? Jo- How do you pronounce it? Alex Mago or Mago? something, Mister Mago. Yeah, I have no idea. Yeah, I have no <laughs> idea. Yeah. Um. By the way, us mispronounce it. Remember last year we got criticized in a review on Apple Podcasts because we like like mispronounce like the. 10th string wide receiver who was going to supposedly break out or something. We're about to have that same moment with this Alex Magoo guy. Oh, well. <laughs> so just a heads up. Uh, if, if, just, if you do I correct said. us on Twitter, please spell it uh, phonetically and also put like the parentheses and the dashes like they do in the dictionary. So I'll, I'll know. Yeah. I'll take that one for yeah, the team. Extremely, yeah. Very important. We really need to know. I mean, look at the names. Um, DeFilippio. Uh, DeFilippo, I mean, I'm not going to say that week in and week out. I'm, I'm not. It, it's so much easier saying hack it <laughs> than, than it than it is that. You know, I, I, well, JD is what we'll call him. Yeah, good. Good, good, uh, good thought. Okay, so we talked about the offense, uh, offensive line, running back. Um, the two other needs, and Derek, I'll kind of let you kind of wrap us up here with the other needs um, you had mentioned in your notes, middle linebacker and nickel corner. So if you can just kind of elaborate a little bit on, on what those needs are and um, why you feel that way. So for the middle linebacker position, it's really because Miles Jack just was out of position so many times and he would use his athletic ability to get back into position, which works sometimes, but it's not going to be like that all the times. You have to stop getting outsmarted at some point and start think, using your head and, and trying to playing the mental game of, of the sport. He's not catching on. He did an okay job if you really think about it. But there were a lot of times that were a lot of calls that were missed. You know, people ask, you know, with Paul Puzlesny retiring, is that's going to affect them. We're just going to plug Miles Jack. I don't know because, yeah, although Miles Jack has 10 times the physical tools, from a speed standpoint that Paz didn't, Paz had the mental game locked up 10 times better than than Miles Jack did. So we got to find some way to bridge that gap. And I don't know if it's getting a veteran middle linebacker, uh, finding one of the guys that we already have currently on the team and trying to see what they have. Uh, You know, Telvin, you know, definitely plays the, the weak side. So technically he can't, you know, fill that void. So we got to do something. And I get it, you know, the team plays nickel half the time, so there's, you know, 75% of the time, really, so there's really not three linebackers. There's only two. So even if it's not a middle linebacker, I guess you can say just someone that could help put the defense in position to make plays. So that, that's the first thing. And second thing, nickel quarter. Yeah, we missed Aaron Colvin. He he went to, Texan, to the Texans, got a lot of money, and ended up riding the bench towards the end of the year. Um, maybe we can get him back if the Texans decide to cut him because apparently he's very far down on their depth chart now uh, for getting the money that he did. But we we gotta you know make sure we sew up that third corner position. You know Hayden's not uh, you know a, a spring chicken, so to, to if he we can find someone to 
kind of put, you know, be in that position. We'll see. It'll be tough. Mm-hmm. Any thoughts, JK3, to kind of wrap on any additional roster needs that we haven't already discussed? Um, I really think the tight end position. The way the tight end position is being used in the NFL right now is uh, just another weapon. Um, you know, and we, we've kind of overlooked the tight end. And I mean, we tried to address it with, you know, Safarian Jenkins. Uh, hopefully, you know, we can, he can, he can, you know, bounce back from whatever injury. You know, I hate to discount the guy off, but I mean, we really missed having a, a tight end there and, uh, you know, really missed that veteran presence, uh, you know, presence with, uh, you know, Mercedes Lewis and Koyak and some of the other guys that, that were that were playing kind of tight end by committee. Uh, so I think we need to find, you know, a serviceable tight end, someone, you know, I wouldn't mind taking, you know, taking a look at somebody in the senior bowl, somebody maybe an undrafted free agent, uh, you know, someone that can, that can really stretch the field and get down in the seam. But other than that, I think Derek, you know, pretty much hit the, uh, you know, nail right on the head with, you know, some of our needs. And, you know, pretty much, man, it's just waiting up, uh, you know, for the draft now and hopefully enjoying these last uh, couple of weeks of football before we're in our dead season. All right. Well, good stuff. And uh, so we're kind of excited about uh, JD coming on board, <laughs> trademark, little TM, little TM for that uh, that nickname there. Nobody can use that. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, we'll kind of wrap it there. So if you guys are on Apple Podcasts, if you could leave us a five-star rating and review, we would certainly appreciate it, except for the guy who's going to criticize us about Alex Magoo, not you, don't do it. Um, and that's pretty much it. So thanks again for listening. We are sponsored by Brewers Pizza, Orange Park, and Clay County's only brew pub. And we will talk to you guys next time.